In the early 1960s, veteran actor and stuntman Arch Hall Sr. decided that his son, Arch Hall Jr., would become a movie star. Arch Hall Jr. didn't really care to become a movie star. He much preferred just living the easy California life with days on the beach and nights playing his guitar. But Arch Hall Sr. did not care. He wrote and produced several films starring his son. He wrote under the pseudonym Nicholas Merriweather, and he also acted alongside his son in most films under the pseudonym William Waters. The first of these films was 1961's The Choppers. The second was 1982's Iga of Mystery Science Theater 3000 fame. For the third film he wrote and produced for his son, he turned to a director of photography known to have been fired from Universal Studios for almost knocking an A-frame onto Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> and this man would not only direct, but also act in the film under the pseudonym Cash Flag. <laughs> but this would be his first film as a director. And for this, he used no pseudonym. This man was Ray Dennis Steckler, and the film we're watching tonight is Wild Guitar. It's Death by Video! Here's a movie you never seen. The map is ninjas or a crazy death machine. There'll be smiles. There'll be tears. You won't watch a movie for about Eight billion years, it's time for death By video Time for death By video And now, the show will begin Hello, I'm Phil I'm Kit And I'm Graham saying welcome back to another episode of Merry Movie Mayhem It has been a very, very long time We are very, very sorry it's been a very, very long time But uh, there are certain things in life you cannot control and others you can. So here we are. We're together again for the first time in months. Yay! Yeah. And uh, we're going we're gonna to be watching the, the, the first film from Ray Dennis Steckler, who it was just last week actually announced. Um, Severn, the Great Severn Films is actually putting out a Ray Dennis Steckler box set, 20 of his movies on 10 Blu-rays. And this is like one of their box sets I'm really tempted to get because they, they have expensive box sets. Yeah. And this is one where I'm like, I kind of want these because he directed so many weird movies. Uh, he's probably most famous for the film. Let me make sure I get the title correctly. The Incredibly Strange Creatures Who Stopped Living and Became Mixed Up Zombies. But, uh, which I have not seen, uh, but Wild Guitar I have seen. Uh, the version we're going to watch tonight is actually the restoration paid for and uh, done by Nicholas Winding Refn. Oh, nice. Um, which was actually debuted in, I think it played 2019 in a uh, film festival that Refn like, uh, was a judge at. Uh, but it's also streaming on his uh, on on Nicholas Winding Refn's own streaming service by NWR.com, uh, which if you're looking for a bunch of weirdo old movies, he's got them all there for you. Um, so guys, before we get into the film, have we seen anything interesting since we last recorded? And it's been a long time, but let's <laughs> so let's not let's not go through them all. Yeah, let's just talk about the stuff highlights. Yes. Yeah. The highlights and maybe some low lights. Phil, sure. what have you seen? Uh, okay, uh, first uh, highlight I've seen since uh, we watched Blood Feast Two. Um, Lisa, <sighs> directed by Gary Sherman, one of the few PG thirteen movies he made. Oh, nice he... for his fourteen year old daughter. Basically, oh, that's cool. He he of course did Just Before Dawn and uh, and uh, Blue Sunshine. Gary oh, right. Sherman. Oh, sorry, I'm thinking of a different guy. Exploitation uh, veteran. Sorry, uh, Vice Gary Squad. Sh- Gary Sherman. Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking of a different guy. Sorry. Dead and Buried, Vice Squad, Deathline, Wanted Dead or Alive. Yeah, yeah. Deathline is great. I love Deathline. Poltergeist 3. But, uh, yeah. 
if you guys haven't seen Deathline, I highly yeah, recommend it. Yeah. It's really good. But yeah, yeah no. let me see. Yeah, Lisa, that that's a that's a that's a to be deep cut. Uh, Ooh, fantastic! That great streaming yeah, series. Yeah, um, which uh, it stars uh, Cheryl Ladd and uh, Suzanne, the the actress from Step by Step, who played Suzanne Somers' oldest daughter. Oh, okay, I don't She's remember who that is. I remember the show. Well, all you TGIF heads. Uh, yeah, uh, I, fo- I finally watched. Um, the movie Dick with uh, Oscar nominees Kirsten Dunst and uh, Michelle Williams. <laughs> Way before they were Oscar nominees. Yes, the shot in Toronto, Dick. Uh, Toronto for Washington, D.C., which yes. featured, I think, um, Kevin McDonald was in that? Uh, Bruce Mc- oh, sorry, Bruce McCullough. Not Bruce Kevin McCullough McCullen. as yeah. Carl Bernstein yeah. uh, and Will Ferrell's Bob Woodward. Ah, cool. Yeah, everybody's hamming it up. Um, mm-hmm. Doesn't Rick it. the Temp? No, he has a, te- a cameo in Superstar. Yeah, yeah, not um, not that one. I thought Rick the Temp had a cameo. Uh, Harry Shearer is G. Gordon Liddy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I watched uh, the uh, N. J. Zulawski movie of uh, L'Amour Brac, aka Mad Love, with nice. uh, Sophie Marceau. I'm a big fan of that film. Like yeah, that film uh, that's a lot. an awesome, awesome movie. I think that was actually my first uh, Zulawski. Yeah, even before Possession. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's such a dense movie. There's just so much happening in every frame of that movie. Yeah. A lot going on. Um, I watched um, Arabato, which is on the Criterion channel, aka Rapture. Oh, cool. How was that? That's good. really good. Nice. Um, rewatched Angst. The, a fun time for everybody. Oh, yeah. That's a good family film. Get the kids together, get yeah. some popcorn, watch Angst. There's, there's, a, there's an incredible dog performance by Dash mm-hmm. and. Uh, the film that inspired Gaspar Noe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, I watched a Canucksploitation movie, uh, Julie Darling. Oh, how was I haven't I, oh, I've heard fun, it, but I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, uh, that's a fun one. Where was that? Just online it's, it's, or? I, in yeah, it's a, it's a shitty YouTube rip. Ah, okay. With like Spanish subtitles and ah, <laughs> features some key shots of Eaton Center in its infancy. Yes, I love classic Eaton Center. Like, yeah, there's yeah. great scenes from that in the Silent Partner. Yes, it's a few mm-hmm. years after. This is from it's from '83. Julie Darling. Cool. Yeah, that's just a great uh, bad seed uh, thrower. Cool. Um, what else? I watched uh, Love Letters. This was uh, Amy Holden Jones's second movie. Yeah, that's with uh, Jamie, Jamie Lee, Lee Curtis. Curtis. Yeah. So uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was trying to get out of being a scream queen. So she, so she. This was, I think, just after Trading Places. So she was like really trying to establish herself as a dramatic actress, and Jamie Holden Jones wanted to break out of. Um, she she wanted to direct, but she didn't want to do something genre. She had she was working on this script, and mm-hmm. uh, Roger Corman agreed on the condition that uh, Jamie Lee Curtis there be nudity because Roger Corman good old it. Corman. Yeah, well, that's his whole thing is like you must have nudity to sell it to this this yeah. and this, and it turned a profit. It's of a course. forgotten movie, but it's yeah unjustifiably forgotten. They discussed it on the Dearly Departed podcast, Eighties All Over. Which, by yeah. the way, if you guys haven't listened to Eighties All Over, or know no. about it. It was a experiment that was doomed to fail. Where yeah. basically, like every week, they took one, I think, a month from yeah. uh, and did covered every film that was released in the United States yeah. in one month of starting in nineteen eighty. I think they got up to nineteen eighty four. Okay, and we're like, we this is impossible. We yeah. can't do it all. It drove them insane. Um, go on. What else have you seen? I watched uh, the regional uh, horror film The Child from 1977. Regional zombie film. Nice. That's actually we're going to uh, eventually do because we did the yeah, American. Yeah, that's, that's, 
that's a death by video future dbv movie for yeah, sure. yeah well we, we it's a part of the american horror project volume two oh, yeah and we covered the american horror project volume one so we will yes. eventually get around to doing that nice mm-hmm. yeah that's a that's a tubi movie um mm-hmm. I watched uh, the Jack Hill film uh, Pit Stop with uh, Sid Haig. Nice. Great Sid Haig uh, supporting role. Uh, and Lake star. Lake Yes, mm-hmm. Lake Raid. Uh, it's starring Richard Davalos. Uh, yeah. And it's got like a supporting performance by um, young Ellen Burstyn. I think she was going under her maiden name at the time. That was in black and white, right? Yes, it was in yeah. black and white. It, it's a real banger of a, it's a stock car racing mm-hmm. uh, movie. Yeah. Incredibly well shot. Oh yeah. I know. I mean, yeah. anything by Jack Hill is great. Yeah. I uh, rewatched phenomena. I'd never seen the international cut. I so you seen creepers. Like the, I'm guessing I didn't see creepers. You but saw the American phenomena. I thought creepers was the American phenomena. It was the anchor Bay DVD. I saw. Yeah. Cause there was, cause like normally when in, in Italian films, they would have, they would do their own American yeah. cut. With their own dubbing, and yeah. then occasionally got read. That's how Deep Red became the Hatchet Murders in the United right. States, and that's how Phenomena became Creepers. Yeah. So, so this one it has way less Iron Maiden. Thankfully, I, I like Iron Maiden, but yeah. it's just used in like tense situations, which drain the suspense out of it. Argento was going through a phase. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it still had some Iron Maiden, but you know, this is not as much. But, but the, the but the proper use of Goblin and uh, yeah, and you have like certain sections where the characters are speaking Italian and it's not subtitled and oh. <laughs> interesting yeah cool anything else interesting that you watched uh i finally watched carnival souls that was a uh yeah so that's something that's that, a that like I, i've started that movie so many times and i yeah. haven't finished it just because like i was either watching it on youtube or watching it on like some multi-pack dvd and then i had to go somewhere yeah but it is a class it's on yeah. you know you can watch it on criterion mm-hmm. oh yeah i forgot they did a criterion edition yeah. of, of carnival souls I watched uh, the Ozploitation movie uh, Money Movers, directed by Bruce Beresford, of all people. Oh, okay. I haven't heard of that. Yeah, that, that, that's a really good uh, heist uh, movie. Everybody's a scumbag. Uh, it's got uh, an early Brian Brown supporting role. And, cool. Um, I watched uh, Night Tide, an early Dennis Hopper role from 1961. Oh, yeah. Directed by... Uh, it's mer- I call it Mermaid Noir. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Hopper Before the Drugs. Yes. I watched The Mechanic, the original Mechanic nice. with Charles Old, Bronson. With Charlie Brown Brown, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's so few lines. Basically, I've never seen Charles Bronson speak less in a movie. Oh, wow. That's saying something. <laughs> yeah. I always love Charles Bronson in The Dirty Dozen. It's like, yeah. so what did you do? I punched a guy. <laughs> And he died. <laughs> <laughs> I finally watched uh, Stage Fright. Oh, course. which one? The uh, the Michelle Suave. Oh, the Michelle Suave one. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. a fantastic film. Oh, it's such a banger. Yeah. I, it took so long for me to finally watch it, and I yeah, did. Yeah, it's totally worth it. I watched um, Street Law, the Enzo G. Castieri movie with uh, yep. Franco Nero uh, which and Barbara ki- Puck. Which kicked off the whole uh, Plecio Tetsi, or Plecio Tetsi uh films in italy yeah aka euro crime yeah we saw north man of course oh uh, yeah that was that, a dbv outing yep fun time yeah, at the theaters did. sadly did not perform <laughs> that well <laughs> no but you know what we got a crazy ass viking movie yeah we can't complain about that i watched was probably the most problematic uh canon films <laughs> we've ever Which i've one? ever seen it kinjate forbidden subjects I don't even want to know. Yeah. Oh, you don't know about it? No, I don't know about it. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> it's on Tubi. 
I'll have to give it a watch. Yep. Or not. Um, there's uh, 10 to Midnight, and another third Charles Bronson movie. Yeah, that one's sleazy. That's where he fights where the killer is the naked. Incel, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I still... What's, what's, I just remember like his whole like, we can't find any clues. It's like, because he's naked. Because <laughs> he just kills people while he's naked. And like, what's the thing where he shows like a, him a dildo and goes like, what's this for? Whacking off? Yeah, it's... Kinjate yeah. also features a dildo. Uh, oh, great. Yeah. I, I call the Chekhov's dildo. Uh, I don't even want to know where... Okay, I, okay. I don't want to know how it goes off. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Good, good. But yeah, keep going. It was it was Jay Lee Thompson's last movie as well. Uh, oh, okay. Um, and also features of all people, uh, Peggy Lipton as Charles Bronson's wife. <laughs> That's an interesting mix. Yeah, I watched uh, Ticket of No Return, uh, underrated uh, ger- new German cinema film. Okay, I haven't heard of it, but yeah, uh, uh, the director Ulrika Ottinger. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's gonna have her own whole series on the Criterion Channel oh, next shit. month. Okay, though. cool. I gotta check it out. I. Uh, Watched Shiva Baby, which you're probably nice. going to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that film. Yeah. That film is great. Uh, we rewatched Inland Empire, yeah. which is with the, mo- the most unfortunate audience. Uh, <sighs> Just vaping. The, oh, God. There was somebody no. vaping in front of us. And behind us, there was a chucklehead who just thought, looking for ever, any excuse to laugh. Like, somebody would say, like, where are you going? Bah, ha, 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 And then something <laughs> truly terrifying would happen. And you'd be like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Ooh, ooh. Ooh, a lot of 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah there's three hours. Yeah. Three hours of him just being like, what's going on? I saw Pleasure, which you're also probably going to yeah, talk I, about. Yeah. Um, Fantastic contemporary film about the <laughs> horrible conditions of the pornographic <laughs> industry in North America and the world, I'm yes. assuming. Uh, but it's not an anti-porn film. Mm. It's an it's even-handed an, I'd say I'd say it's an anti, uh, anti-exploitation film. Yes. Not... Like exploitation, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, exploitation, yes. like exploiting human beings. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, R.I.P. Ray Liotta, um, I rewatched Unlawful Entry, which is a real underrated 90s nice. thriller, which probably will not show up on any streaming services. It's a Fox movie about a psycho rapey stalker cop. Yeah. That was the alternative <laughs> title, Psycho Rapey Stalker Cop. Yeah. Well, Unlawful Entry is already yeah. a pretty lewd title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, and then we made money at the time yeah. was, and it, this is like, it came out two months after the LA riots and God, Ray really? Liotta is an LAPD cop. <laughs> yeah, no, that doesn't surprise me that it did yeah. well. I mean, thing in thrillers did well. Apparently yeah. they're adults are going back to the movie theaters because yeah. of Top Gun two last weekend. So I'm yeah. hoping that trend continues. Yeah. Yeah. Keep getting more grown up movies. I don't have to like go to like weird cinemas to watch them. And another R.I.P. Andy Fletcher, keyboardist of, of Depeche course, yeah. Mode. So I watched Depeche Mode 101, which is a movie I'd never watched in its entirety. It's mm. a it's a concert film. Uh, D.A. Pennebaker is one of the three directors. Oh shit! Yeah, and um, there's also like a sub bit. It, it is a concert film, but it's also a road tour movie because there's like a, an adjacent tour bus it's like a bunch of teens who won a contest who got to follow Depeche Mode on tour so they're on their own tour bus and it's uh, mm-hmm. so it's basically proto-reality TV it's cool. like eight teenage strangers uh, hanging yeah. out together on a bus and they're all super Depeche Mode fans cool yeah. sounds good um, what else is that the end of what you've seen that's that, interesting that, uh, that's it for what I've seen that's interesting I've picked all the highlights I didn't want to spend take forever yeah cool alright Kit what have you seen recently that has been interesting uh, I haven't seen much 
No, no. Okay, you say okay. that every. You say that every time, and every I, I time. I have seen. I have seen a lot. It's been a while. I'll, I'll yeah. stick to to, to stick three to and a half highlights. star above. Ooh. Um. Let's see. I, I saw the uh, Spielberg West Side Story. It's fine. It's good. I kind of liked yeah? it. I mean, it's it's. Good. I want to see it, but I haven't it's seen good it yet. in spite of uh, Ansel Elgort, who I swear has like zero charisma. I don't understand. He must have money on, I mean, uh, what was, dirt on somebody. What was he in again before this? Was it? Uh, Dr- Baby Driver. Baby Driver. Oh, yeah. That's his big thing. And also yeah. there was a weird, uh, I'm not even sure, there was a Me Too kind of thing around him as well. Yeah. yeah. I think he was maybe grooming like some sort of statutory kind of thing. I don't know. I'm just Creeps, I'm just speculating. Though. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that film works despite him being the lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, watched Uncle Buck for the first time. Never seen oh, that. Oh, nice. Good, Good old classic. John Candy. John Candy and uh, John uh, uh, Hughes. Hughes, thank yeah. you. Uh, at the at the peak of their power, so to speak. I always um, remember that movie playing on CBC all the time because it had a Canadian lead. I never caught mm. it on TV. It would always be the Great Outdoors that that was the John Candy movie that they'd show with Dan Aykroyd, right? Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Canadian. TV all the time, yeah, too. that was a Canadian two-hander. Canadian two-hander. That's what we call him in the business. Uh, Then I I checked out um, uh, David Lowry's The Green Knight. How was that? I it's interesting. I kind of I dug it. I dug the vibe. Yeah. Like and and I I I think there should be movies like that where a director Mm -hmm. has clearly taken a bunch of acid and got really into like uh, Lancelot lore and decided to make a movie about it. Cool. Um, I think that there should be films like that. It does it succeed all the way? I don't know, but I it was kind of fun. I liked it. Nice. Um, let's see. I rewatched The Big Lebowski. We don't have to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Northman, of course. We already yep. talked about that. I watched uh, Suspicion, the 1941 uh, Alfred Hitchcock movie. Nice. Good classic. Cary Grant and mm-hmm. Joan Fontaine. It's kind of funny because it's like Joan Fontaine falls for Cary Grant. And then the suspicion is, is he actually a murderer? Ooh. Because maybe, maybe he's murdering somebody. But what is not a suspicion is that he's a completely useless shithead. That's mm. <laughs> just a terrible husband. And she really uh, married badly in marrying him, even though everybody was telling her, yeah, he's not that great. Uh, and she oh. marries him anyway because he kind of swoops her off, uh, swoops her off her feet. Swep, sweeps her? S- sweeps her? Swoops not swoops. Her. Swoop is what you do in uh, curling. Well, he swooped her. Okay, swooped her. <laughs> it's it's got all the kind of nineteen forty. Well, like he takes her out on his first date and then he forcibly tries to kiss her. And oh. it's somehow charming, kind of a thing. It was back then. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, he turns out to be a shithead. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched the raid too. Yeah, which, yeah. I was I wasn't sure what it was going to be like. I'm like, I really liked the raid, but it's been a while, and I'm not sure if the raid two is going to be any good. They don't need to do it's a like second one. Action, but with drama. Oh man, yeah, they do add a lot of plot to it because the first one has no plot, but uh, this one has a lot of plot. It's got a whole undercover story. There is actually no raiding going on mm-hmm. whatsoever. But my God, this might be one of the most violent films I've ever seen. That like bathroom <laughs> stall fight scene is amazing. But he, every the, every fight yeah. scene is like a broken arm, like everything twisted the wrong way. You hear every punch le- leads to a crack of bones. Yeah, it is incredibly violent oh, and gruesome. So so good. Really dug it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I dug around on Tubi for for some uh, fun older movies, and I found If You Meet Sartana, Pray for Your Death. Yes, that stars Lee Van Cleef, right? Uh, is it Lee Van Cleef? I actually forgot. I know it's apparently it's the first of a series of Sartana yeah. movies. And there's a bunch of them, and they Cleef. all have friggin' awesome titles cool. like Sartana's here, 
Trade your pistol for a coffin. Yeah. <laughs> I am I am Sartana, your angel of death. Yeah. They're all called that. And there's like five or six of them. There's even one uh, where Django meets uh, Sartana. Yeah, I, I doubt that's a, an official one. That's, uh, that's, that's something that'd be <laughs> probably like, not. It's probably like Luigi Cantini as uh, stepping in for Lee Van Cleef and like some French guy playing uh, Franco Nero. Let's see. This was uh, this was directed by uh, Gianfranco Parolini. Yeah. Don't, uh, know him. Don't know his work. No, no, it's uh, it's Johnny Jarko. <laughs> Johnny Jarko is the uh, lead. He's he plays Sartana in this oh. one. I don't know if it goes to Lee Van Cleef and other ones, but uh, maybe maybe it's Sabata. I'm thinking of. It probably is. Anyway, you'd like it. It's basically yeah. just a man with no name. Um, nice knockoff. Yeah, but it's it's a lot of fun. It's what I love about spaghetti westerns. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. got a name this time. <laughs> That's the thing I love about spaghetti westerns. They made a, they made like 600 of them, and like at least 200 are good. Um, finally, uh, filled out a blind spot mm -hmm. on my part. I'd never seen David Cronenberg's crash. Yeah. So I decided to check that out. Some more Canadian content Just for about you. getting horny about the Lakeshore Boulevard. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't there some 401 action in there as well? It's mostly Lakeshore Boulevard. Yeah. Like, yeah it's mostly the old Gardner. Uh, oh, when it extended Gardner. like beyond. Yeah. It's like getting yeah. into fender benders on the mm -hmm. Gardner just makes me hot. Um, it's a it's yeah. a it's a fun movie, uh, pretty yeah, wild. Which uh, the braces, Rosanna Arquette's braces are on display at the white box. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I saw your post about yeah. that. It's still mm -hmm. hot. Uh, then I watched a bunch of Fast and Furious movies, but we don't need to get into them. Uh, Let me guess, are they bad. about family? They're, they are about family. Well, I watched uh, the Fate of the Furious, and mm -hmm. then I watched Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw, Ooh. which was at least kind of fun because it yeah. knows it's a ridiculous movie and it knows it's mm -hmm. just there to dance around and entertain you. Yeah, it gets a bit grating in that mm -hmm. respect because now we got to deal with like Ryan Reynolds and Kevin Hart uh, being added to the cast. Of course. Uh, and then I watched F Nine. Uh, F Nine, where they go to space. <laughs> We're going to the moon. <laughs> Did do you know? Okay, so talking about going to space. So there's a new Amityville film coming out. Guess where it's going? To space. It's Amityville in space. Wow. Not kidding. That doesn't no, need to but happen. All horror movies, franchises eventually go get sent. To and space. none of them should. Well, that's that's what I was saying. If any franchise lasts long enough, like if there was a Godfather Part Nine, there would have been a Corleone Moon Base or something like that. Uh, what is Making funny about, on the moon. about F9 is that mm -hmm. chronologically, according to the canon of the film, the third Tokyo Drift uh, movie, that yeah, is set that in 2013. Yeah. So it's less than 10 years out from F9. Mm -hmm. And we get the reemergence in F9 of Lucas Black and Little Bow Wow. Yeah. And they look much older. Yeah. Than well, they yeah, should. because isn't like F, F like four, five and six all set before yes. Fast and the, Tokyo the events Drift? of Tokyo yeah. Drift. So I think somebody at uh, one point said, oh, Tokyo Drift takes place in 2013, even though we did not say that at the time. And, and it doesn't make any sense. And, and it came out in like, and, and I watched it in 20, 2008. Yeah. Yeah. Tokyo Drift, I think, came out in 2003, even, or something like that. I think it was 07. It was I like, think it's been earlier, but really? I, I'd have to, oh, I don't know. Because I, I watched it in 08. I, wanna I, I think this. it's early aughts. Because I remember uh, Fast and Furious 2, Too Fast, Too Furious, came out in when I was working at Tim Hortons, and that was in 2002? Yeah, oh, so, so it's probably 2004 for uh, yeah. Tokyo Drift. Anyway, so that's kind of funny. Um, and then finally, uh, because uh, R.I.P. Ray Liotta, yeah. uh, who just left us, I watched the uh, Jonathan Demme movie Something Wild, which yeah. is uh, Ray Liotta's nice. that film is, debut. That is a fantastic... Uh, that a, was a fun movie. That movie is great. I it's, wasn't it's sure, uh, but I... It's fantastic. Yeah. I've watched it numerous times. Really extols the virtues of mm -hmm. drinking and driving with your best yeah. gal. 
So and, <laughs> before we continue talking about that, the Feelies are the best high school reunion band yeah, ever. Yeah, the they really are covering the monkeys. Um, but I do have to say, Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift came out in two thousand six. Okay, all right. So, so off. But yeah, I love I love something wild. Like I actually one of my favorite moments of going to the cinema was seeing a thirty five millimeter print, a beautiful thirty five millimeter print of something wild with Jonathan Demi in attendance. Oh and wow, it, that's and it so wasn't cool. like it was just it was just he's like, hey, I'm in Toronto. Let's do this at the Lightbox, and it was a free screening, and it was great. And uh, yeah, and it's a uh, it's a, it's a good time. You're having fun. And then, like, they add uh, Ray Liotta powder keg into the mix halfway oh, through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it just goes uh, it goes places. To man. quote Miley Cyrus, he came in like a wrecking ball. He came in. He does come in like a wrecking ball. Yeah. yeah you kind of have the archetypal, like, manic pixie dream girl narrative. Uh, shaking. Kind of proto-manic uh, yeah. pixie yeah, dream proto, girl. Yeah. And yeah, and Shaking also the like square guy out of his uh, the, what we used yuppies, which were very important in the 80s. Mm-hmm. It, it was uh, important to shake down those yuppies. Oh, yeah. 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 Anything else, Kit? Uh, that's it. Okay, I'm going to try and get through mine as quickly as possible because we are already running uh, 24 minutes into this podcast. Um, We're giving the fans a, a long one because yeah, we've been away we've been so away. long. We, we missed you guys. So I have a lot to watch. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to go through just the highlights. I'm going to cut out a lot. So kicking it off, um, not right after, but like I watched Lucio Fulci's erotic drama, The Devil's Honey. <laughs> uh, AKA the movie where yes that guy uses the saxophone to do that thing with that woman um, uh, how much eye trauma in this one none oh. actually no there was a little eye trauma even, Vag- even, yeah. vaginal trauma no, is where no, we're no, going no, no 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 most no. of sax trauma <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah it is it's definitely one of those things where you're like wow he went for it um, uh, and I watched The Sword and the Sorcerer the new brand new restored uh, Blu-ray, Albert Pune's first movie, which we're going to be doing on the podcast when we do Pune Fest 2022. Hell yeah. Um, I saw um, what I guess is considered to be like the last, well, no, not the last, but like one of the last, um, uh, oh my God, why am I blanking on his name? I like it. John Landis Films, Susan's Plan, a.k.a. Dying to Get, Dying to Get Rich. It's not very good. Um, it's a movie that he made out of frustration after Blues Brothers 2000 when he was like, just give me a million dollars and I'll make a movie and I'll show you how good it is. It turns out it's hard to make a movie for a million dollars in Los Angeles with, you know, they had an interesting cast, but not a great film. Uh, then Here Comes Hell, this 2019 film. It's currently streaming on Shudder. It's a throwback to like 1930s horror. So it's it's shot like a 1930s horror movie, but with like Lovecraftian elements and like things go nuts. It's really, really good, really fun. Um, Northman, of course. I watched the 1943 version of Titanic, which is the Nazi Germany produced uh, yes, Titanic film, which is hard to watch, but um, uh, it's really well made. Um, and the director was apparently legitimately murdered by the producer of the film because he started bad mouthing Hitler on set, and then he disappeared from film, went to jail, and was found to have hung himself under mysterious circumstances. Um, but oh, the, he Epsteined himself. Yeah, exactly. I wonder if there were conspiracies back then in 1943 about there probably were but um, the film is like about the arrogance of the British and how they like don't care about safety or or like taking it easy or like even dealing with like icebergs correctly and there's one first officer who's German born who just gets everything right and then once the Titanic sinks he takes great pleasure in telling everyone the ship is sinking we're going down you're all going to die you basically watched one of the movies inside Inglorious Bastards yeah and and like he's just he's very like snarky like the ship's sinking isn't that horrible yeah and then as opposed to being like a heroic and he's like I'm gonna make sure you get brought to justice you like them because one of the um, the owners of the Titanic did actually wind up escaping he disguised himself as a woman and got onto a um, onto a lifeboat 
But in this film, the German officer is like, grabs him by the shoulder and says, like, I'm going to make sure that you get through to, like, he puts him on a lifeboat so that he can be brought to justice when they get rescued. And I'm like, wait, you're taking a spot from a woman or a child on a lifeboat with this guy who's guilty of all the crimes you're accusing of. And then the German officer swims through the water. He saves a little girl, but then he gets into the lifeboat as well and takes another spot. And he survives the Titanic, goes to the trial. And when the British, like, people get off, like, don't get charged with any, like, mis- um, mischief or um, malfeasance, there we go. He just shakes his head and he says, like, this is why the British will fall. And you're just like, well, I got bad news for you, buddy. The war is not going to go in your favor. So uh, uh, better or worse than uh, the James Cameron Titanic? Um, I'm not going to actually answer that because it is a Nazi-produced <laughs> film. But I will say there are certain things from that movie that I'm like, oh, that's he. Cameron lifted it. Because Cameron did lift stuff from a lot of different uh, sinking ship movies, uh, especially The Last Voyage. Um, a Robert Stack film from the 50s, like have shots that are straight in, like that he lifted straight out of, into it for Titanic. Also in this film, there is a scene where somebody has to go down into one of the lower decks to rescue somebody who's been like uh, handcuffed down there, which is very reminiscent of the James Cameron Titanic. Um, but yeah, it was a weird thing to like be like, I'm going to watch the Nazi Titanic movie. <laughs> Time for um, some Nazi propaganda. Yeah, um, I watched uh, the horrible Tony Braxton movie that I worked on, and that's all I'll say about that. The less said about it, the best. Tony Braxton, you can burn in hell. Um, <laughs> She's on her way. Yeah. Um, then I watched the 1997 Kurt Russell classic Breakdown. I have not seen not, not seen oh, this I one like before. I, it's I, really, really good. Yeah, I saw it in the theater, and I rewatched it last year. Yeah. No, it's it's it's, it's still a banger, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Um, then I followed up the German Titanic movie with 1980s famous disaster, Raise the Titanic, which the producers joked it would be it would have been cheaper to lower the Atlantic. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, the film's not. A, it's not. It's a bit of a slog. It's not so great. Uh, I watched the new Doctor Strange film, The Multiverse of Madness. It's fun. Um, I watched Jim Van Beber's uh, long in production, The Manson Family, uh, which has a an official like release date of 1997 even though i don't think it got released until 2002 or one or three was this on shutter uh it was on tubi oh wow okay. yeah it's I on tubi to that. yeah it's a it's a it's a, it's an interesting watch because he focuses on the family and it's it's definitely him pushing everything to the extreme to get like attention uh and he does are you both wearing Christmas socks? We we are. I noticed this as well. Yeah, we're, <laughs> Phil and I are. It's it's uh, it's almost June. It's sweltering outside. Yeah, and you're both and wearing Christmas. We socks. got our we got our Christmas socks on. Um, I of course watched the the unbearable weight of massive talent with Nicolas Cage. It was another fun movie. Um, I watched the film A Ghost Waits. This is a very very low budget film from 2020. I highly recommend this film. It is very heartbreaking, very touching, um, and I really really dug it. Um, uh, it's on Shutter. It I probably cost like as much as I spent on my feature film. Uh, I watched part of the 13th part, Friday the 13th part three in 3d in 3d in the theater. Nice. Uh, except I'm red, green colorblind. So those, those don't work. Yeah. Me too, bud. Yeah. Uh, some of it works. Some of it did not. Um, I watched, um, the, uh, Charlie Roxborough and, uh, and Matt Farley collaboration 2021's metal detector maniac. Which this is a film that I highly recommend, and we're probably Will Sloan is big on that one. Yeah, yeah, we're probably going to watch it on the podcast because it's, it's just I don't know how Matt Farley and Charlie Roxborough do it. Like I can't, I don't understand why their films are so engaging because from the outside they look just dumb and stupid, 
and they're great. And like, this is so. This is the story of two uh, music professors who are on sabbatical to um, to write an album as part of as a research project. And they notice some guy like with a metal detector in a park, kind of like sweeping. Like, don't you ever notice those guys with metal detectors? They just like look weird, and I don't trust them. He's like, yeah, I don't trust them either. So they make up this whole story in their head that like this guy's a maniac and he kills people. Turns out he is. Um, I watched a very interesting documentary called Mail Order, Mail Order Murder, the story of Wave Productions. So Wave Productions it still exists. It started in the 1980s. It's basically you send them uh, your idea for – it can be a script or just a description of like some scenes, and they produce a shot-on-video movie of that, and they send it to you. And it's it just talks about the people involved in it and like all the weird stuff they notice like keeps coming back. Like there's a lot of women – uh, in quicksand videos for some reason, or movies for some reason. Um, it's, it's very fascinating. I watched Shiva Baby. Like, it, it's, yeah, it makes good time, or, uh, it makes Uncut Gems look like Sunday School is, I think, my review of it. Because it's super intense. It's, like, one location, pretty much. Um, and great perf- it's funny as hell. I know. It's, it's so, so funny. And so, like, it's, it's, but, like, it, ugh, you get on edge watching it. Because I'm like, don't, just leave it alone. Just- yeah, I've. I associated it more with like uh, Fort Tilden and Smiley Faces, like really intense comedies. Yeah, that's that's the best way to describe it. Really, in- a really intense comedy. Um, but yeah, great. It's check it out. It's uh, streaming on Crave in Canada and a bunch of other places. Um, I watched the new Ben Wheatley film, New, as it came out in twenty twenty one, In the Earth, uh, which is which was his pandemic movie. Uh, it was good. It was enjoyable. It's uh, not a bad way to spend. Uh, Spend an hour and a half. Um, I watched the the film we ta- just talked about earlier, Pleasure, uh, which is about the pornographic industry. And uh, yeah, it's it's like for me, there are certain scenes that, like I almost got up and walked out of. Or there's one scene in particular that almost drove me from the theater because I was like, it's so intense and that's saying something for me. But uh, I have to give the lead actress all the credit in the world. It is such a brave performance. Um, and the director, uh, Ninja, what was her name? Ninja Thyberg. Yeah, Ninja Thyberg. Um uh, just a stellar, like like a crazy debut film. Um, Sophia Kappel is the is the uh, the lead actress, and she is fantastic in the movie. Um, so yeah, uh, but again, I can't really recommend it for people that don't go. Be like, oh, I'm gonna go out and check it out on Friday night with popcorn. Um, it is. It's called Pleasure. Sounds great. Yeah, it's gonna be a fun time <laughs> at the movies. Um, yeah. Um, watched Inland Empire. Uh, I watched uh, a documentary called The Found Footage Phenomenon, which is all about found footage movies, and it actually ties it back to like earlier films from like um, <coughs> uh, uh, Peeping Tom from the 60s, and even earlier like art films from the from the 60s as well. And of course, it touches on Cannibal Holocaust and um, Ghost Watch, uh, the last broadcast, the what should we call it, the Blair Witch Project, and a whole bunch of others in McPherson tapes as well. Really great overview. Inland Empire, a great just just like. It's like swimming in a sea of David Lynch's brains. Yeah, um, I, I I remember putting that on late one night, just Home Alone. Yeah. Just uh, had the DVD for some reason, and uh, yeah. we were working at Blockbuster, so we just had stuff. I love around. that that Inland Empire was at Blockbuster, like on the shelf oh, yeah. next to like whatever like was out at the time. And th- those old uh, David Lynch DVDs. I don't know if he does this anymore, but he used to have zero. He stipulated there could no be no chapter chapters. breaks. No, either you watch the film or you, or don't, you don't watch don't, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no screwing around with my movies. So I sat down and watched the whole thing, and uh, yeah, man, that was that's an intense. Yeah. I remember yeah. never being bored, even though it's three hours long. Oh yeah, you're you're in it, and the and and a 4K restoration of a standard definition shot on yes. mini DV film 
looked good. It was it was surprising. Um, I'm going to finish it off with the last uh, one of the last films I watched was uh, a film by people I know, Boys vs. Girls, a Canadian film about summer camp, um, which stars Colin Mockery and Kevin McDonald and uh, a bunch of. Hey, Kevin McDonald. Yeah, from Kids in the Hall and a bunch of. Uh, yeah, that's the only kid in the hall that I've seen on the streets of Toronto. Yeah. Is he like asking for change? No, it was like no. <laughs> it was this was back in like two thousand and two, I think, and I was uh, I was just downtown uh, with some some other people. Actually, I was rickshawing at the time. That's a long story. Um, and then uh, somebody's like, "Hey, it's Kevin McDonald." And sure enough, I looked over and there was Kevin McDonald, and he turned around. He did the whole Kevin McDonald like ah, he did like that kind of a hands up thing yeah. and just walked away. It was, yeah, it's cool. Yeah cool stuff and that's what we've been watching (laughs) okay so we'll be right back and we'll be talking about wild guitar if you're looking for more horror outside of the mainstream look no further than unsung horrors a podcast about underseen horror movies i'm lance and i'm erica every other week we'll cover a horror movie with fewer than 1,000 views on letterboxd we'll even give you double feature recommendations to pair with the movies we discuss From gothic to shot on video, from slashers to comedies, from giallo to j-horror, we'll cover all the subgenres. So join us as we unearth these hidden gems of horror. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at Unsung Horrors, available wherever you listen to podcasts. And that was Wild Guitar. All right. First show back in several months. So, guys, where do we begin with the Arch Hall Jr. starring, directed by Ray Dennis Stickler, also acting but under a pseudonym, written and produced by Arch Hall Sr., but under two pseudonyms, one for his acting role and one for his writing role. Where do we begin with Wild Guitar? Well, we've got an archetypal fish out of water story with uh, uh, Bud Eagle here. uh, Eagle spelt like the bird, just to clarify. He finds himself in Los Angeles, and he's a clumsy man. Yep, he's walking around uh, Hollywood and Vine. He like drops his suitcase in the middle of the road. Yep, and he like picks the it up. The drivers aren't having it. Mm-hmm. And uh, right off the bat, like the opening shots shot around Los Angeles, where uh, I was mentioning they were shot by Vilos Vilmos Sigmund. There we go. You're probably better at saying it than I am. Yeah, him, big old famous cinematographer. Yeah, but he did a R. lot. Of, yeah, he did a lot of. Uh, of uh, like exploitation stuff, I think I have like a, a a mod documentary that was yeah that was shot by partially by him and Haskell and uh, Haskell Wexler. Haskell Wexler, yeah, yeah, yeah. Heavy hitters. I know they're all just like having a blast doing these like weird, low budget rock and roll movies. Uh, but yeah, so this is this is kind of like a, an attempt at. It's weird because normally when you think of exploitation, and especially like when you look at Ray Dennis Steckler's later career, which we'll get into, um, this movie is wholesome. Yeah. By a degree, like it's very wholesome. It's very all ages. It's very much meant for the teen friendly audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kit, you were gonna say something? It's like a drive-in movie, yeah. basically. Yeah, well, like uh, when when Buddy Eagle, like he he rides into town on his motorcycle, and you sort of get like James Dean, Rebel Without a Cause. But when he actually starts speaking, he's all like, "Well, golly, geez, that sounds swell." He pronounces he's, cafe weirdly. Yeah, he's a cafe or Co- how they- it's hard. I can't remember. It's, yeah, what was it? Cafe. At the cafe, cafe, cafe. Yeah. yeah, they do pronounce it strange. Um, but yeah. uh, he's he's really like yeah, he's a fish out of water and he's a country boy, mm-hmm. a country bumpkin. Um, but he he is really uh, well natured. Like a pompadour, yeah. He like... does he does have a ridiculous blonde pompadour, and his face mm-hmm. looks grubby and dirty for some reason. I never got over that. <laughs> you said he looked like a young Fred Willard. He does <laughs> look like a young Fred Willard. They're yeah. they're commenting on his looks, and he's like, mm-hmm. oh, he's handsome. He's like, he looks like a yeah, young Fred sure. Willard, which I mean, you know that could be your yeah. cup of tea, but 
Fred Willard was not an unhandsome man. No, he had no. The, I'm sure young Fred Willard uh, pulled him in. He had that yeah, 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 this guy has a rotund uh, face. Uh. Yeah. But uh, so he finds himself at Marge's Coffee Cup? Coffee uh, co- cup. Or Kofi Cup. Kofi Both Cup. Spelled with a K. Uh, K-O-F-F-E. And <laughs> cup is spelled K-U-P. Yeah, thank God they didn't add that third K, third K on K there. Yeah, <laughs> ooh. The cafe. Close. And that's where he meets Vicky, who is a young dancer in Hollywood. And uh, she kind of notices. We also meet our favorite, our three stooges of the movie, the three yes. hoods. Uh, I'm going to look up their names real quick. Well, Vicky sees this guy's uh, very hand-to-mouth because he has 15 cents to his name, and the cheapest thing on the menu is a donut and a cup of coffee. And... For 15 cents. Yeah. But he forgets about he forgets about the tax. Yeah, the, the one-cent tax. Yeah. And she has an uneaten sandwich and... Potato a, chips. Um, yep, and, and a full bottle of cola. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, so she offers him some food, and she's actually nervous. She didn't even offer him, and she's like, oh, I can't finish this. Can you, could you do me a favor and eat this? Yep. So she's our, smitten with him immediately. Yeah, so, we, so we're introduced to the three hoods are only, who are only um, credited as kidnappers. They are Lloyd Williams, Jonathan Carl, Carl and Mike Trebor. And that's that. Yeah, they, they're, uh, go- mm-hmm. they, they seem to be playing, because uh, well, the one guy says, hit me. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah, they're playing. They're trying to play blackjack in the cafe. But like, why would you play blackjack at a cafe? That that, who's that doesn't make any sense. They needed some other. (laughs) They needed some business to be going on. So someone poses as the house, and then I don't know. It's weird, but but enjoyable and charming. And there's a little boy in a cowboy costume behind them who like fires his like cap gun, gun, and like he's just like, oh, I thought I was being. It was the cops, and you're like, okay, really. Um, yeah, I think Marge asks, uh, mm-hmm. or Marge or Vicky asks Bud where he's where he's from, and he's like, "Oh, I'm I'm just from Spearfish." And then every single damn person in the restaurant goes, "Spearfish, Spearfish, Spearfish, <laughs> Spearfish, Spearfish." And five minutes later, it's like, "Where's that?" <laughs> he's like, "What is it, Arizona or somewhere?" It's South Dakota. South Dakota, yeah, one of the Dakotas. Um, I don't know why I thought of Arizona. Spearfish, Arizona sounds like a real place. I'm sure Spear... And now I'm guessing Spearfish, South Dakota is a real place, but I'm not going to look it up. Um, so yeah, so we meet Vicky, who is played by Nancy Zarr, and we also meet Marge, who is played by Mary Den. Marge is solid. Yeah. That is what we know of Marge. Salt she of the is earth. solid, salt yeah. of the earth. She, you don't even have to ask her for mm-hmm. a favor. She's already doing it for she you. She waves the tax on the coffee and the donut, and then when... Uh, and basically, like, you know... Uh, Nancy is getting, or sorry, Vicky is getting kind of sweet on Bud. You know, she's a little like, oh, got stars in her eyes. But she's also nervous because she's about to go and appear on a television program, which is an, a, an entertainment variety show, which they used to have, where she's going to be doing uh, a twisting dance of some sort. It's all, all dancing mm-hmm. is twisting back yeah. in the early 60s. Yeah, and she's like, oh, like, you must be a musician. And he's like, yeah, I've got no money to my name and nowhere to go and no prospects, but I got a letter from this radio station back home in South Dakota that says I'm a really good guitar player. And so she's like, well, "Why don't you come along with me to the to the this TV show, and uh, and you we'll see if we can get you on." And he's like, "Okay." So they go, and uh, well, he has to leave his his suitcase with Marge, and Marge gladly takes it and says, "Like I'll protect no it." Yeah, he doesn't even have to finish the sentence. The term somehow she fits the suitcase behind the counter. Yeah, the term "salt of the earth" does not begin to describe Marge. She is just. She's like the kind of person that's like, I don't even need to like charge for food at this business I run selling she, food. She's there that that she runs all mm-hmm. day every day, probably presumably from and six a.m. to ten p.m. at night, and is the only employee from the looks <laughs> of it. Um, so he goes to the to the TV show where um, where Vicky gives a dance, and she's actually quite good at dancing. She moves really well, and we learn later on she's also a figure skater. The, the, long, the, yeah, yeah, the actress yeah. herself is a figure yeah. skater. They have some 
pretty damn good figure skating in this movie. Um, and you told me that she was in an Elvis movie, and she looks like an Elvis girl. Uh, no, so she she was in the Elvis movie Girl Happy from 1965. She was also in 1964's What's uh, What's Up Front, so with like an explanation point. Uh, and so I just want to read the, the... She actually has a very Jackie Onassis vibe to her. Like a yeah, blonde Jackie, blonde Jackie Onassis. O. Fun Jackie. Or Jack, Jackie Kennedy, I guess, yeah, at yeah. the time. Yeah. Like if no. Jackie Kennedy oh, yeah. were in like a beach uh, movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this movie that she's in called What's Up Front, here is the the description of it. It is, A small town boy saves a Breer's company for going bankrupt by becoming the world's greatest door-to-door bra salesman. Movies in the 60s were wild. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so she was in Girl Happy, uh, the oldest movie. She was in Winter A Go Go, uh, from 19, also from 1965, uh, which I'm trying to see. Yeah, there's no one really famous in that Winter A Go Go, which is basically a beach movie, but on, in the slopes. Uh, she was in an episode of Perry Mason in 1964 playing Teddy Bear number two. Uh, she was in a 1966 movie called Spin Out, Spin Out, where she plays Platinum Blonde and was uncredited. And then her final role was in The Wild Scene in 1970, where she played Clarette. And The Wild Scene is a drama about Dr. Virginia Grant, who is a psychiatrist dealing with five case studies about the misguided, hedonistic, radical, and naive youth and the generation gap between their hippie generation and that of their parents. Um... Dang. So yeah, sounds like a heavy, heavy feature. Um, but back to this film. So they go to, uh, it's after Vicky has done her dance, uh, and uh, the host of the show is standing backstage with a, uh, a saxophone player. And what happens to the saxophone player, guys? He gets physically ill and has to uh, relieve his uh, sickness within the Yeah, saxophone. we have the old puke in the saxophone gag. We don't actually see it, but he's like, oh, I'm going to vomit, and then he walks off stage. I think his... he says, I'm going to be sick. I don't think yeah, he's going to yeah, say, yeah. I'm going to vomit. Yeah, you're right. Um, and then they're just like, well, who can we put on stage? And it's like, well, that kid with Vicky brought a guitar. Maybe he can play. Which so, like... Well, anyway, yeah. just getting back to the saxophone guy, like you would puke in your own saxophone, that would never happen. No, no, you, you would vomit on the studio floor before you. Yeah, you don't disrespect your instrument that way. <laughs> no, cleaning it out would be a oh nightmare. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, Vicky's like he's a great guitar player and a great singer, even though she's never heard him sing or play guitar. She trusts him. Yeah, but just like also his guitar is totally in tune when he goes on stage. So they're like, "All right, kid." Get on stage. And, and this so, guitar is just like a, a f- little flat metal thing that it looks a, like a prop guitar. It's actually a Dan Electro guitar. Oh, it's, okay, it's, yeah, yeah, that's the that's their signature shape and their signature uh, look to it. It was just they didn't have the logo on it, which this it was smart. They, they took the logo off, which a lot of films at the time wouldn't do. Although they did leave the logo on the Fender amps that are played later on in the film. Ah. So he gets on stage. Well, first of all, he trips on the cables. Yeah, he, he's bad, bad first entrance. Yeah. He trips. Oh, first, he doesn't respond to the uh, mm-hmm. the thing, and then he trips on the cable, and he just knocks yeah. everything over. The audience is laughing yeah. at him. And then the host does like that classic dad joke yeah, of like, How was your trip? How was your trip? <laughs> <laughs> What's your name? Oh, it's, it's um, what is it? Oh, um, our, uh, Bud Eagle, like the bird from Spearfish, South Dakota. And then he winds, winds up playing a song with a... There's a full-on band on stage as well. And instantly, he's a hit. What were you going to say, Phil? Oh, yeah. The band figures it out, like, after about 10 seconds. Yeah. And for someone who plays in a band, like, that... Even, like, basic stuff, it takes you more than 10 seconds to figure out, like, oh, you're playing an A, okay, and then it's D, and then it's E. All right. Um, this it's like this is it, a professional band. Yeah. They just... They just heard it, and we're like, we know what notes are coming next. <laughs> Even before you wrote the song, we knew what notes are coming next. You can't fool us. And I'm going to play a lead solo as well over top of it. Um, so they play it, and it's an instant hit all around the world at once. 
the it's so like we meet our um our our bad guy Mike McCulley is the name of the the artist manager yes that, yes um, that, but uh, but like the the crowd goes from laughing at the kid to they're storming the stage I know they're trying to get his autograph he's not even famous it's they, like Beatlemania but yeah. before Beatlemania literally before Beatlemania the kid's um, been in Hollywood for like an hour yeah, yeah and he's already being bum rushed yeah. <laughs> he's not even an overnight success he's like in a twenty minute success yeah yeah. Um, it's an afternoon success. And then from there, right away, we meet uh, uh, Mike sends ste- a steak out to get him. That's who is actually played by, credited as Cash Flag. But Cash that is, Flag. But that is really Ray Dennis Steckler, the, the director of the movie as well, under his pseudonym. And he does, he, like, his character of steak just casually like playing with a gun in well, public. He, he reminds you of uh the uh the trump uh the guy stephen miller oh the, yeah, yeah or i remember like him. even a bit of a young jonathan banks a little yeah jonathan banks definitely but like just even in his role and and how he is yeah, in the uh, movie stephen miller for sure very odious and slimy mm-hmm. and i'm guessing stephen miller plays with a gun as well when he's just i wouldn't bored. i wouldn't surprise it's funny just uh like he's like a pr guy he's like a fixer but he's just got this gun on him all yeah the time. all the time and like when uh when Bud asks him, like, hey, what's that for? He's like, oh, that's for that's for when I go fishing. You're like, all right, you fish with a gun, just shoot the water. With a um, handgun. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, Steak comes out and gets um, Mike to come back. Or, no, sorry, gets Bud to come back and meet Mike. And Mike basically is like, I'm going to make you a star, kid. We're going to, like, sign you to a deal and get you all this stuff. And uh, we're going to set you up in an apartment and uh, all this stuff right here, right now, right now. Yeah, immediately. And then he goes back and, like, um, tells Vicky, like, hey, like, Go go to the go to the the cafe. The cafe no, no, it's it's not a cafe. The cafe. The cafe. The cafe. Cafe. Um, and uh, and I'll meet you there later to get my suitcase. And she's like, okay. And she goes off after having totally stolen her dream, like in front of her. She's fine with it though. Yeah. She's got no problems. Because you can't you cannot deny Bud's awesomeness. Like yeah, he's, he's just, just good at awesome. everything. Yeah. Um, so they go back to the apartment, and this is where Mike lays out the hard truth that I own you and I yes. control you. Bud. Bud was unfamiliar yeah. with industry rule number 4080, which is that record company people are shady. Yes, exactly. Good there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Entirely. Um, and, uh, yeah, and so basically he, like, Bud wants, like, I'll leave and come back, go and get my, my suitcase. And, and Mike is just like, well, I guess we don't have a deal then. Because that tells me you're not serious about this if you want to go and get your suitcase. So they send Steak to go get it. And Steak, uh, he basically tells Steak, like, he's like, you got to go. To, oh, Mike tells Bud, you got to go to bed right now because we got an early morning. And Bud's like, okay. And so he goes to bed. Uh, well, he wants to go get a suitcase, yeah. but. But he lays, but Mike lays it out that, like, you can't go get your suitcase because that means you're not serious. He even, like, dismisses the kid. He's yeah. like, ah, get, get out of here. Don't, yeah. uh, if you go, don't come back to me. Yeah, exactly. I'll find another boy. Yeah. He's another sucker born every minute. But does not realize he has leverage because yeah. he's got a hit song already. Like, I know. Right out of the gate that he wrote another himself. Another manager would be happy to have him. Yeah. But he doesn't know this because he's, he's a country very naive. And as we find out, even at the end of the movie... He stays naive. Yes, <laughs> moron. Um, but with a little learned, he's he's a he's a bit more tricksy by the end. A bit yeah, more cynical sort of. Still though, he's he's not going to get access to those like accounting books at all. No, no. Um, so he uh, at this point he goes to uh, so state goes to the cafe or cafe um, meets Vicky and basically tries to like blow her off so that she doesn't come and find him. Gets his suitcase full of stuff and uh, brings it back to the apartment. And then Bud gets up the next day. Mike's already there, and uh, My, Mike. Uh, well, he brings steaks, in a band. Steak, oh, yeah. They, steaks there with his house coat. Yes, his fantastic house coat, which he's wearing over a shirt and tie. And he, um, 
And basically, like, now Mike shows up with a bunch of musicians. It's like, all right, we're going to start learning numbers. And Mike... And a new guitar. He's yeah, got a, He's a got Fender a, Jazz Master. Yes, which is a very uh, nice guitar. Very fancy. And very of the period, too. This is like when uh, Fender was trying to break into the, the humbucker mode because all of their guitars previously had been single coil. Or occasionally you would put a humbucker at the bridge pickup of a Telecaster. Of course, yeah. Yeah. This is me getting all my guitar nerdy <laughs> knowledge hands out. Um, the guitar world heads. Yeah. Oh, I used to have so, uh, a huge stack of guitar world uh, <laughs> magazines. Now I don't only have a stack of reward magazines. Um, but so he's like, oh, well, like I've written like 20 or 30 songs. And the band is like, really? Okay. And he's like, I'll go get him. And then Mike's like, now listen, kids, you've got to treat this kid right. He's going to be our meal ticket. And they're like, all right. And so then they start playing songs, and this is when the movie first goes into David Lynch territory with these crazy camera. Oh my god! All of a sudden, like crash zooms in on women's faces that are like blown out, like Laura Dern in Inland Empire, and then upside down yeah, for no it, reason. Yeah, it's over, and it's just like back and forth and frantic cutting. It's an like, acid trip. Yeah. So like Ray Dennis Steckler, it's been said, <laughs> like other filmmakers of this era, like they would make their kung fu movie, they would make their black exploitation movie, they would make their horror movie. Ray Dennis Steckler made Ray Dennis Steckler movies yes. and they just came to him and the, whatever genre came to him he didn't go to the genre so um so yeah so basically this is like the start of Bud's rise he we see there's a montage of fake money and records being thrown around really fake looking money yeah like I think it, it says five on one side and thousand on the other side exactly or something like and I that. think like it's just like the word <laughs> money is on the money um and uh this is like where he's rising 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 uh we also learned that he has a brother named ted who's uh in the navy or no he's at university and yeah the record company uh, the the management team mm -hmm. know about ted all already and they're like we got to well, investigate him yeah because so like uh bud gives mike a letter uh, or says like says like oh steak can mail this letter for you to your brother ted in school and steak decides like or uh, mike tells steak like you got to write letters back as if you're ted and but is none the wiser for like six months. Like that his brother is like writing these Although weird letters. Although eventually he's like, yeah, he just doesn't sound like himself. I gotta go visit. Gotta, yeah. <laughs> Very bizarre. Um, so then there's some more shenanigans where like he basically writes a song called I Love You, Vicky, and he plays it on, uh, like on a TV Sullivan show. show. Um, and there's a dancer doing interpretive dance. Uh, and that is actually played by the director's wife, Carolyn Brandt. Ah, how about that? Yeah. Um, it's a weird interpretive dance thing. Yeah, it's very very odd, and the scene is mostly shot in a wide screen, uh, wide screen. I guess format. they used to make a lot of music videos like that, though. You see, like um, mm -hmm. like bands will have like something that I guess yeah. was played on a show or something. Well, where, like they, where they've got a set mm -hmm. and everything, and it's like a music video. Because bands can tour all the time, so they would actually film like live performances on, at like a variety show, and then that would get sent around the country. Ah. Yeah, or countries. Um, so Carolyn Brandt would go on to appear in many of Ray Dennis Steckler's movies, including one of my favorites, The Hollywood Strangler meets the Skid Row Slasher, which we've talked about in the past. Because I, which I didn't know was a Ray Dennis Steckler movie because he's under he has a pseudonym. It's like Wolfgang Schmidt or something on that movie. Ah. Um, and I'm like, because like yeah, like I'm uh, they so Severn Films announced this box set and they start going through all the movies that he made, and I'm like, I think I've seen half these movies, but I didn't realize they were directed by Ray Dennis Steckler. Um, so the Vicky sees this and runs to the studio, meets him, and they decide to go ice skating. And there's a very great funny ice skating sequence where like like right away like Bud she's like, Oh, do you wanna go skating? Like I can I have access to the rink. And he's like, Sure, I'm great at skating and then the next scene is like he falls down 
And he's like, I thought you meant roller skates, not these <laughs> things. Uh, yuck. Um, and apparently they got the uh, spotlight guy to stick around the rink. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> the spotlight follows Vicky. It does not follow uh, She's Bunch. literally skating circles around him. Yeah, she's actually a pretty great figure skater. She does all the, the moves and stuff. I, I didn't see any triple sow cows. That, that didn't happen until <laughs> Brian Boitano in the 1980s. We've all heard the song, What Would Brian Boitano Do? Triple sow cow with a double lutz or whatever it's called. The, the thing that he invented. That didn't happen yet. Um um, and so no, like, she's a very graceful skater, yes. and clearly, like yeah. she did figure skating as a as mm-hmm. a younger woman or yeah. when she was growing up. Yeah, and uh, and then they kiss very awkwardly. Well, he doesn't open his mouth. No, her mouth is open. His is firmly <laughs> firmly shut, like 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 he's been glued. His lips have been glued shut, and then the camera spins around them for a while, um, hyping up the the love story element of the film, which is what we all came to this film to see was the tender love exactly story. Right? Yeah. Um, movie like wild guitar i come to see a love story yeah uh so he goes back to the apartment i know he doesn't go yeah he goes back to the apartment and like he's all of a sudden acting weird like he wants to leave like well they got the this group of teenage teenagers that like yeah from the high school that are focus group yeah yeah meet your fan club the presence of your fan club from every major high school in los angeles and like one of them wants him to take his clothes off and then the other guys taking your clothes off for squares yeah what is going on this is post beatniks, so it's, it's getting weird. Um, and this is where we learn that uh, Mike has been paying. He, the presidents of the fan club, are on his salary, and so he pays or on his staff. So he pays them, and Bud does not like this at all. So he's getting up and ready to leave. He takes off his new clothes and he puts yeah. on the friggin' heavy sweater and the, the uh, old cable net sweater and the <laughs> like the bomber, the heavy bomber jacket yeah. that he showed up in. And uh, so he's all set to leave, but then Mike explains, like, okay, go, but, like, you know, I spent all this money on you. And he's like, what money? He's like, I spent $50,000. And he's like, oh, well, I don't want to leave you in the lurch, so what if I just stick around and uh, and we'll, we'll do these shows and, and you'll get your money back and then I'll go. And Mike's like, you would do that for me? <laughs> and Mike also uh, gives him, like, the, the hard truth about yeah. how payola works, how the real world works, Yeah, son. you gotta pay for everything. No, did, didn't you ever go to high school? Wasn't there a mo- popular boy in high school? And like, Bud's yeah. like, yeah, my brother my Ted. My brother Ted. It's like, well, at the malt shop, didn't all the other kids then go in and drink his the same malts that he did? Well, yeah. It's like, well, he was probably getting paid by the malt shop <laughs> to do that. by the malt shop. He's this, this malt shop mafia that's, like, paying teenagers. <laughs> paying, the, to, paying the most popular teen to come to their shop. You better not get cut from the football team or else I'll break your legs. The, the influencers of their day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. And by the way, just uh, just a word to to all you fake Instagram uh, accounts that are trying to get Death by Video to like to 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 be sponsored by your whatever jewelry company. Oh, they're, they're always like promoted yeah. here. Yeah, like, no, what? not even promoted there. They're asking that they want us to promote their stuff. And it's all like jewelry companies and fragrance lines and, and like high end fashion. I'm like, you don't know anything about our page. We have integrity, damn it. We don't even have a Patreon because nobody would support it. Are we doing uh, ad reads? We're not doing ad reads. No, 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 no. That being said, guys, did you know <laughs> Casper mattress? I was actually going to say hey, to bleep out Casper. Yeah. Uh, are yeah. they a bad company? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, back to this film. So he's about to leave, but then Mike convinces him to stay. And so he goes. And then Mike's like, hmm, what's gotten into him? And Stake's like, he's been seeing that girl again. What girl? Vicky, the one he wrote the song about. Oh, the one from before? All right, let's neutralize that. Bring in, bring in Daisy. Stake is uh, casually playing with his gun in this scene. He casually, like, play, yeah. yeah. Like in every scene, he's kind of just like stroking it or polishing it or just like being like, whoa, 
What's my gun doing on the table while I'm eating breakfast? And he's got like a shoulder holster, like he's like he's bullet. Yeah, yeah. but this is like like six years before the bu- film Bullet. Yes, it yeah, is. David Tosky. Maybe was he was. He was yeah, yeah, maybe he was a fan of. That's where he got it from. Maybe he was a fan of David Tosky. Yeah. Um, and so this is when they bring in the Ringer, aka Daisy, who like seductively dances at. Um, Bud. Oh man, she's all leg too. Yeah. She's like thrusting her legs at him, and she's got like these uh, mm-hmm. nylons with diamonds in them. Yeah, and she is like just doing a hard, hard dance at him. Um, She—I don't think she's. Oh no, she is. She is played by Virginia Broderick, uh, Matthew Broderick's mom. Oh, okay. No, I'm kidding. I just made that up. It's well, not probably true. true. I mean, everybody in that, Hollywood is the kid of somebody. And that's the only film she was in. I'm, I'm assuming she was probably a burlesque dancer at the time. Yeah. Um, she moved like a burlesque dance, dancer yeah. for sure. Um, so she comes in and like she's like constantly trying to like, you know, seduce him. And like Bud is like reacting in terror. Like, I have to get out of here. So like she chases Terror him. mixed with like, I wonder where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like she chases him around the pool and then she gets back. Oh, we should point out that at this point, this is when um, Mike's previous ingenue. Oh, before before Daisy comes in. Yeah. Yeah. The the young. What's his name? Don uh, or the wavy haired. He's like, in my day, wavy haired young man. Were, were. <laughs> I love Proctor or something. Yeah, Don, Don Proctor, Don, Don, Don yeah. Proctor, played by Robert Crumb, yep. And he comes in, like, perfectly disheveled, drunk guy with a suit look. He like, looks like he's from... He dripping of, with sweat. He kind of looks like Steve Buscemi. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. I was going to say, he looks like an extra from, like, Kiss Me Deadly or, yeah. or the, the like, the Big Sleep or something. Um, and it's hilarious, because he's basically like, I'm you in five years, kid. Yeah. It's like Freedom 55, but like gone bad. He's like, they chewed me up and they spit me out. In my day, it was young men with wa- young men singers with wavy hair, and now it's kids and you don't even know what they're saying. It's all this Louis Louie nonsense. Um, he doesn't say that, but that'd be great if he did. And so he basically lays out like, here's what happens. Like, you don't have any money, do you? No, that's how they trick you. They keep you broke and they spend all this money. They give you everything you want, but you ne- can never leave. And then you meet the fast pencil. What's the fast pencil? That's how they cook the books. The, the old fast pencil trick. We all know that one. Um, and so he kind of has. So Daisy comes in, like seduce attacks. Um, well, Don passes out. He, he, passes he drinks. Out. He drinks an entire bottle of uh, Canadian Club. Yep, just chugging and, it back. Like it passes out. Like it's chocolate milk. And uh, and so at this point, um, uh, he wakes up. So Don Don wakes up. And Steak is there because Steak wants to watch what happens between Daisy and Bud. Because Steak's a, enjoying the show. He's a dirty pervert, <laughs> uh, in addition to a lot of other things. And so Don gets up, uh, and he's like, "Oh, and like, oh, good to see you again, Steak." And Steak's like, "What are you doing here?" He's like, "I just came in for a nap." Um, and so they get into it. Like basically, um, the Don is gonna like hit Steak with the Canadian Club bottle, but Steak pulls out his gun. And forces him out of the apartment, and then they tussle, and Stake throws Don down a flight of stairs. Yes. And this is where we get a weird, uh, one of two Tennessee Williams homages. An old woman comes to the door and be like, what's going on? I'm calling the cops. And then from inside the apartment, you hear like, Stella! Stella! Get back in here. And she's like, okay, Stanley. Stanley. <laughs> so that happened. Um, we also see an original... Sweet, we- yeah, Sweet yeah. Bird of Youth on a movie marquee at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, well, that's the, that's the thing I like about Ray Dennis Steckler is, like, he likes to shoot the cities he's in. So, like, in The yeah. Hollywood Strangler meets the Skid Row Slasher, there's a lot of great on-the-street Los Angeles footage. Uh, very grimy, very gross. And, like, that's kind of like this film. Like, it's well, pretty much the, it's the same neighborhood, but, like, 17 years apart. Um, so things get rough in the 70s for Hollywood. Um... 
And after this, uh, so uh, Vicky has snuck into the apartment because she wants to see Bud, the love of her life. And then she just comes in just as Daisy gets Bud cornered. The worst possible go, time. Classic rom-com trope. Gets on top of him and yep. starts making out. And Bud's like, it's not what it looks like. And then Vicky's like, it's exactly what it looks like. And she storms off. <laughs> and so because Bud, he kisses the same way. Yeah. He's still not he, opening he, his he, mouth. And he chases after her through a secret door. Yeah, which, yeah, just in the room that none of us noticed. He's in a secret, he runs out through a secret door, beats her to the to the floor. I'm guessing he just jumped off a balcony. Yeah, I think he repelled her. There's a little parachute on the balcony. Yeah. And or maybe he's just Spider-Man. <laughs> that would be a great third act unexplored twist. Unexplored element, yeah. Um, I'm Spider-Man. Uh, so he gets down there, tries to convince Vicky not to leave. She leaves. At this point, we see a, a hand in a bush, like making a finger, like come here motion. You know what, how it happens in the big city. Yeah. And then our three kidnappers, the three dopes arrive and they're like, we're kidnapping you. We're going to take you out of here. We're going to take you for a ride. It's like, uh, I don't have a car. Ooh, should we take the bus? No. Do you got a car, bud? No, don't look at me. I got nothing. Uh, I got it. We'll walk. Ah, oh, that's why you got the brains. Well, they even call him brains. Yeah, that's too. why you brains. A- He's like a... And he keeps using the wrong words for everything. Yeah, he's a very much uh, like a... You know, you guys remember Little Carmine from uh, The Sopranos? Yeah, yeah, Like the guy who's, yeah. uh, who's always... You're on the precipice of uh, major crossroads. Yeah. It's all well, uh, it's all stuff like that. Some stuff that this guy says is like, there's an elephant of truth to what you're saying. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Beware the tides of March. <laughs> um, yeah, like funny, funny stuff. And they are really zany, like yeah. uh, they're basically mafioso three stooges. Yeah, but so they get them back to like this the thing what they call the the shack, which is like it's got it's clearly It's also got three dead bodies in there, as it turns out. Yeah, weirdly, but it also has like fake castle wall sets for for walls okay so maybe it is like a hollywood i, I think it's lot, like a, yeah. yeah i think it's just sort of like a storage room at, at like whatever studio they were in like this so will the be dead our, bodies could be props yeah but they look realistic yeah well one of them looks exactly like the mother from psycho so ah. yeah and so it's at this point where like they can't figure out how to properly um hostage uh, treat bud like a hostage so budge bud kind of steps in and this is when you like well, he takes the gun, he takes from the gun right yeah. away, and then he gives it back to them, being like, "No, no, take me hostage. It'll be better." And they're like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." Um, we'll ask for five large, five large ones, and Bud's like, "No, no, no, you gotta ask for more. Ask for like 15. And they're like, "Really?" He's like, "If they'll pay five, they'll pay 15. And they're like, "Well, yeah, you must, you must be worth something." <laughs> I like it when uh, Bud does snatch the shotgun from the one guy, though. Mm-hmm. He's immediately like, "Oh, why is it always gotta be this way?" Yeah, just crying. <laughs> um. And so Bud basically like figures out like here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna tell him to drop the money here. Oh man, we did forget the uh, the the dancing scene earlier at the uh, at the oh, Kofi right. cafe. So yeah, they start playing Bud's single. Well, because uh, uh, before they reunite, uh, yeah. Vicky's all distraught. She's there. She's yeah. she's hearing Bud everywhere now, and she's all distraught. And Marge is like, I've got a surprise for you. And she puts on Bud's new record. This does not cheer Vicky up. No, but everyone else in but the cafe. But everyone else in the cafe, including just, the mobsters. Yeah, it's like, I what? Know, a- you have shots in record stores where literally everything is in the record store are it's singles. Bud. Yeah. Or like but, cut out. He's got these life-size cut cutouts simple, of him yeah. like wearing sunglasses and stuff. Yeah, full albums. And he's only been at it for like a week and a half. Um, and also like you see them. There's a scene like way back in the movie, like when they're like, "Hey, which photo should we use?" And they're all the same photo. Yeah, <laughs> this one I want for the album, and this one I want you to put all over the city. And it's the same same photo. photo yeah. And so and so like our three our three kidnappers just are like, "Yo, let's get up and have a diversion." It's like, "What's a diversion?" Oh, it's like in the military, you got diversion one, diversion two, and diversion three. And it's just like, 
what are you guys even talking about? <laughs> so they get up and start dancing, and they're like hard dancing too. They're like really shimmying and kind of like ju- with with uh, like dead eyes, though. dead like, eyes, yeah, yeah. Very just serious having, look on their face. Yeah. Um, okay, so back to this now. So uh, oh, yeah, skip forward back to the kidnapping. Yeah. Scene. So stake goes and drops off the money, and they take the money back to. Uh, Back to the to the hideout and like oh we're gonna split it four ways and Bud's like four ways is like and they're like yeah also like seeing everything observing everything from that's the bushes. true yeah yeah he just went and hide in the bushes which I'm pretty sure I mean, he, he has just like quickly determines that these guys are a bunch of dopes yeah because they're like we got the money yeah like out out in the open and then they run back well and then the one guy's like why don't you tell the whole neighborhood you dope and he hits mm-hmm. him with his hat yeah. Why I oughta. Um, and so they, they go back and it's like, all right, we're going to split this four ways, $15,000. And Bud's like, no, I'm not going to take any money. This is all for you guys. And like, though, we don't know how to split 15 grand for three ways. It's like, that's the easiest. It's three fives. Come on. <laughs> Splitting it four ways is harder. Um, and this it's this point, point that Stake breaks in. And so the three Stooges and, and Bud basically fight him off and escape. Uh, Bud gets the money back. And then, no, sorry, not Bud. Stake gets the money back, and then Bud goes into hiding. Well, and then the, the, the three Stooges kind of bumble away, like they're yeah. knocking, they're knocking into one another, <laughs> one knocking of, into. One walls. of them runs into a fence. <laughs> yeah, it, it, this is very drawn out. Oh, uh, it's so funny though. It's great. Um, and then after that, uh, Mike and Stake are like, "Well, I guess we'll just plant our own story that he has been like kidnapped." Um, and it's at this point. Where Which they do it goes into yeah. the next uh, newspaper the next yeah. day. Yep, kids are selling them on streets and then, wearing the eagle feathers. Yeah, and then Vicky is like she's still bemoaning uh, Bud going missing and thinking like, oh, it's all a publicity stunt. And also unhappy that he's been cheating. Yeah, uh, and Marge is like, well, you know what? I got some help in the back. I got a dishwasher. You let me bring him out here. Hey, you get out here! And it's Bud. Well, I like when she yells back there. Yeah. You hear a, like a clatter of pans. Yeah, he, like he just—he was, was startled apparently. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he comes out and instantly all is forgiven. Vicky hugs him. They re-embrace and they're happy again. She's a little. She has it out with him a little bit. And she, he assures her and she believes. But it's a very coy. Like I'm gonna turn away and smile, but you won't know what's on my the expression on my face. Um, but it's great. And then what happens after that, guys? Um, well, then I think the, uh, Mike and Stake are back, uh, at the, at the thing and they're, they're talking about, oh, uh, Mike's on the phone with some guy and he's like, of course it's a publicity stunt. Don't you know anything? Uh, they're trying yeah. to reason that it's a publicity stunt. Um, they're trying to figure out how much this is going to cost. And then a young gentleman, uh, mm-hmm. blonde, to be Ted. Yes, a blonde haired yeah. gentleman who turns out to be Ted. Yeah, but we, don't, that, but we don't know that until the very end. Colonel Sanders tie. We couldn't figure it yeah. out. It's not a bolo tie. It's like a it's like a like, it's like a bow tie. Like a southern gentleman yeah. uh bow tie, yes. It's kinda colonial esque, I would yes, put yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Or sorry, I meant uh plantation esque. Colonel esque. Yeah, I was gonna say plantation esque. And yeah, he's coming in like a like a Paul Dano at the start of uh, There like, Will Be Blood. He's, like, he's ready to sell out his, uh, his his family. But we don't know that he's Ted no, at the time, no. and neither do our our villains. And he's like, although you can definitely me... tell he's a blonde. Yeah. I think the audience is supposed to know. And he that even this talks like him too. Yeah. Um. And so he's like, "Give me twenty dollars. Why? Because I know what that you. I know that um, where Bud is hiding out. It's like, oh, he's like staying and working in like the the coffee at Marge's Coffee Cup Cafe." And, it's um, not called Coffee Cup Cafe. No, they, but he says Thankfully. Ca- cafe. Um, and they're just like, oh, really? Okay, give him the 20 bucks. And he's like, no, give me another 20 because I'm going to keep this quiet. And Mike's like, I like you, kid. Give him the 20 bucks steak. And Steak's just like, oh, this is so, I hate giving away money. Just <laughs> so angry about it. 
And <laughs> All the characters are very cartoonish in yeah. this movie. And so he should point out earlier in the film, so that Bud can crank out more songs, uh, Mike gives him what he calls a midget tape recorder. A but, midget tape recorder. But, it, but that word was quickly replaced with mini for all electronics because why would you call it a midget tape recorder? It's, for, just a, it's for tape recording it's midgets. A, it's a small recorder. <laughs> so that he can record songs as he goes. Um, and this will play in at the end of the film. This is what they call foreshadowing. Chekhov's tape recorder. Yes, Chekhov's tape recorder. Uh, and so... Um, Oddly enough, Chekhov's gun never actually goes off. No, it doesn't. Um, we, we see uh, Steak playing with that gun the whole time. He never yeah. fires it. Yeah. I don't even know what the word is for that. Something that you see that is supposed <laughs> to go off and then it doesn't. Who knows? Um, so then they corner um, Mike and Steak, corner Bud at the cafe as he's bringing out garbage. And uh, and they talk about this whole thing. They basically break the whole deal like, yeah, I'm ripping you off and who cares and blah, blah, blah. And then, then, yeah, then, then, you then, go to another manager. We'll just uh, we'll just plant that story that Daisy was all over you. We'll yeah. tell your whole. I bet your sp- brother Ted would like to read about that back in Spearfish. Spearfish. Huh? And he's like, but that's a lie. He's like, yeah, but she'll say anything I wanted to say, kid. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Ted opens they, up. They the... also threaten uh, Daisy. Yeah, they threaten to hurt Daisy. It's like, They're so like, it... if your your voice dries up, then we'll hurt your girl yeah. too. And Vicky, they threaten Vicky, Vicky sorry. Yeah, and then Bud even says, like, so what you're saying is, if I don't do what you say, then you're going to, like, lie about me in the paper. And they're like, uh-huh. And if I stop singing, then you're going to hurt Vicky. And they're like, yep, that's about it. And <laughs> you then got it, us right there, kid. And then at that point, Ted comes out and says, like, I'm sorry, Bud, the tape recorder just ran out of tape. And they're like, tape recorder? You? It's like, you met my brother Ted earlier. It's like, oh, I should have known better. So tape shuts the door. And this is when the epic fight scene between yeah, more hijinks happen. Steak and Bud happen, where they fight all around the parking lot, up into the back of a truck. Mike, lo- uh, Steak loses his gun, and they yeah. kind of just step on They have on to engage in fisticuffs. And this is where more crazy editing happen- happens, where it's just like quick cuts and random craziness. It also happened in the, uh, in the shed scene when Steak busted in on the Three Stooges and Bud. I was hoping the Three Stooges would come back and kind of like aid Bud in this end thing where it's like, you made us rich, now we're going to help you out, pal. Um, doesn't happen. Um, and so eventually he beats Steak and then he corners uh, Mike and he's like, and Ted comes out and they're just like, well, what are you going to do now? It's like, and Bud's like, well, how about we do this the real, the right way? No payola, no nothing. And Mike's like, you know what? It just might work. And they all shake hands on it, and everybody's happy. It's like, why would you keep Mike no, as your manager? No, don't keep Mike as a manager. Mike's a bad guy. And also, Mike is like, I've got an idea, kid. And cut, then, like, cut to just... Cut to a film slate being like, the the Bud Eagle movie, click. And it's him yeah. playing guitar and singing, and there's a song on song and dance scene on the beach. He's doing the Elvis movie. The yeah. Aloha. What, what's the Elvis? Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii. Um, and also, like, this is when that, and also, like, beach movies are big, like Frankie Avalon and uh, what's... Annette. And Annette Bonaf. Funicello. Funicello, yeah. I can't remember. Um, Yeah, so it's like it ends on a beach, and then it ends with a fake freeze frame where the actors just stay still, but the water's still lapping up behind them, and then they fade away, but the beach is still there. They just appear like ghosts. I know, that's the the twist. It's like an M. Night Shyamalan thing. (laughs) They were ghosts this whole time. Yeah, it's a prequel to The Sixth Sense. Um, (laughs) And that was Wild Guitar! Woo! Yay! We got through our first film in months. So, guys, Phil, what is your final thoughts on Wild Guitar? Uh, it's a good, stupid, fun time. Cool. Anything else more depth in depth than that? More in depth. Uh, <laughs> it's it's clumsy, but it's also really well shot and uh, crafty, which really adds to the fun. Of yeah, it. it's got some great early '60s black and white photography. Oh, yeah, like, black and white photography at this point was actually at its best, just as it was going yeah, out. Yeah, that's that's just it. It's, yeah. So yeah, you, you just have this real snazzy visual look, and mm-hmm. uh, 
And I really enjoyed the aforementioned uh, frantic editing of yeah. uh, a number of the scenes. Yeah, there was Ray Dennis Seckler. He gets he gets weird with his movies. We'll watch some more of his stuff. I'm probably gonna get that box set because it just is like amazing. Like 20 movies on it's crazy, um, including like his children's movies, which feature adults pretending to be children. Uh, the Proto Clifford. Yeah, but like worse, um, which is saying something considering it's <laughs> considering my feelings on Clifford. Um, cool. All right. Thanks, Phil. Kit, what are your final thoughts on Wild Guitar? I'm pretty in line with Phil here. It, it seems like it's it's almost seems too goofy at times, but it's yeah. got this uh, persistent charm to it. Mm-hmm. And it's it is uh, surprisingly wholesome. Yeah. Like the the worst guys are the uh, the record company guys mm-hmm. and they're just doing regular corrupt guy stuff. And yeah. even Mike comes around at the end like, yeah, his whole thing like we could just do it legitimate. I never thought of it that way before. <laughs> I thought no you said to be a, yeah, you said to be a scumbag. Work. <laughs> you mean the money just comes in and we just don't bribe people? I don't get it, but it could work. You're what, just... I, I pay the artists that work for me? Actual dollars? That's crazy, but it could work. Yeah. Um, and yeah, everybody seems to be having fun. Like, mm-hmm. and you get the impression that the actors are actually having fun Oh the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, they're all having a blast. Um, so that adds to the charm as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the thumbs up over here. Cool. Uh, I'm going to say this is going to be DBV approved. Um... Yeah, I, I, I have a, such a fun time with this movie. This is the second wow, three time. Three thumbs up. The rare DBV, yes. three thumbs up. Yeah, normally one of us is pissed <laughs> off. Um, but no, it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a fun, charming, it's a charming movie. It's wholesome. Um, it does drag a little sometimes. Yeah, I mean, like, there seems to be filler. Like For, for a movie of, of this time, it is a full 90 minutes, which is rare. Normally, it's like... It could have been like an 80-minute movie. Yeah, or an 80-minute like, yeah, or a 75. Like, the, like when Vicky dances, that goes on for like four minutes. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's interesting because I wonder if it was the hubris of Arch Hall Sr., wanting his son to be a star. So like this couldn't be a, the second half of a double bill. This couldn't be a, a literal B picture. It had to be a full 90 minutes to be an A picture. So it's not like the standard B picture, 70 to 80 minutes. And like the I Miss You Vicky song, which isn't even a good song. No. It, we get, it goes on. Yeah. <laughs> it just, we get the whole like four minute version. Yeah, exactly. But without that, we wouldn't have gotten that fantastic interpretive dance. Yes, that's true. Yeah. But yeah, no, this film is great. I, I like it a lot. Um, Archal Jr. only did, oh, I haven't even gotten into my trivia on it yet. Oh my God. Okay, here we go. Ray Dennis Stickler was born in Pennsylvania, and after serving in the Korean War, during which he worked as an army photographer, he drove to Hollywood to find his fame and fortune. He initially worked in props before becoming a camera assistant operator, an assistant camera operator on the film The World's Greatest Sinner. And when that film's director of photography was fired, Steckler took over the, shooting the film. After, right place, right time. I know. After getting fired from Universal Studios, he went to work as a cameraman for Arch Hall Sr. Uh, Hall Sr. gave him his shot as a director on Wild Guitar, and the rest, as they say, is history. Steckler is known for his many pseudonyms, including Sven Christian, Wolfgang Schmidt, Cindy Lou Sutters, Harry Nixon, Lou Sutters, and his acting pseudonym, Cash Flag. <laughs> Steckler is known for his incredibly strange and poli- prolific career as a director. Uh, he's best known for the films Wild Guitar, Goof on the Loose, The Incredibly Strange Creatures... Goof on the Loose is a great title. <laughs> the Incredibly Strange Creatures Who Stopped Living and Became Mixed Up Zombies, The Thrill Killers, The Lemon Grove Kids, Rat Finka Boo Boo, the original 1967 music video for Jess- Jefferson Airplane's White Rabbit, ah. Cynthia the Devil's Doll, The Mad Love Life of a Hot Vampire, Blood Shack, a.k.a. The Chooper, a whole bunch of sex films in the mid seventies. Um, like I was like, I looked up all the titles. I'm like, I'm not even gonna start. The Hollywood Strangler meets the Skid Row Slasher. Indian Lady. Debbie Does Las Vegas. Weekend Cowgirls. 
uh, Plato's Retreat West. Okay, so now we're going back to the sex films. Well, we're out of it now. Las Vegas Serial know, Killer. Plato's Retreat and Debbie does... Las Vegas, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, there's a few of them. Uh, Las Vegas Serial Killer, which is a loose sequel to The Hollywood Strangler meets the Skid Row Slasher. War Cat, whatever that means. Summer <laughs> of Fun and his last film, which was 2009's One More Time. He sadly passed away from heart disease in 2009. Uh, so this film was written and produced by Arch Hall Sr. His acting career stretches all the way back to 1938 with the Republic movie serial Dick Tracy Returns. He did a lot of forgettable westerns from the 30s to the 50s before turning to writing and producing films for his son to star in. The film stars the oft-mentioned Arch Hall Jr. He acted extensively in films produced and only, sorry, not extensively, exclusively in films written and produced by his father. These include The Choppers, Iga, Wild Guitar, The Sadist, The Nasty Rabbit, and Deadwood 76. By the way, The Nasty Rabbit is actually a James Bond spy spoof. Oh, nice. Yep. After Deadwood 76, he gave up on acting as well as his true passion music and became an aviator and pilot, flying cargo planes for the Flying Tiger Airlines and later FedEx. In 2001, he published a novel titled Asperaza Jet under his father's pseudonym, Nicholas Merriweather. Uh, this film was the screen debris. Oh, we talked about Nancy Czar. Um... Yeah, that's about it. That's all I got on background until I get that box set and get all the, the goodies and background on it. But yeah, that was Wild Guitar. This has been Death by Video. So for Death by Video... I've been Phil. I've been Kit. And I've been Graham saying we'll be back way sooner than this episode b- between Blood Feast. Blood Feast 2 took a lot out of us, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to come back from that. Anyways, it took like three nights to watch, too. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Uh, keep on watching amazing movies. Good night.